promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 99. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awe-inspiring name. He is holy. The mighty King loves justice. You have established fairness. You have administered justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow in worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those calling on his name. They called to the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them in a pillar of cloud. They kept his decrees and the statutes he gave them. Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their sinful actions. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow and worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord our God is holy. Amen. Our reading comes from Ezekiel chapter 3, beginning at the 10th verse. Next, he said to me, Son of man, listen carefully to my words that I speak to you and take them to heart. Go to your people, the exiles, and speak to them. Tell them this is what the Lord God says, whether they listen or refuse to listen. The Spirit then lifted me up. And I heard a loud rumbling sound behind me. Bless the glory of the Lord in his place. With the sound of the living creatures, wings brushing against each other, and the sound of the wheels beside them, a loud rumbling sound. The Spirit lifted me up and took me away. I left in bitterness and in an angry spirit, and the Lord's hand was on me powerfully. I came to the exiles at Tel Abib, who were living by the Huber Canal. And I sat there among them, stunned, for seven days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, when we last left our prophet, um, Ezekiel, uh, all the visions were basically done. He had, well, not done. He, he still has a few more to come. But the, the big one was done with the chariot and the wheels and the, the, the cherubim, seraphim, whatever term you want to use. And then we have him eating the scroll, if you if you remember that correctly. That that not only did he have to eat it and chew on it, he had to take it into himself. It became who he was. The message became a part of him. And here now we sort of have the the final commissioning for him. He, he's been he's been standing before the Lord, and the Lord has been speaking to him, and now finally it is time to go out. Right? It, it's sort of like when we were working with our daughter, planning on her to go off to college. There was all the prep work, right, to to get her ready to go, to make sure she had a room to to live in, and had all the classes put together, and. Uh, packing up everything that she was going to need and and all those things. And then you finally had to get to that point where you said, okay, 
time to go. And we had to drive her uh, to, to the airport and fly back and drop her off and let her go. Right? It's the same thing here. There's been all this preparatory work, all this handing over of things, and now it is time for Ezekiel to get down to business and do what it is that God has called him to do. And and first again, he reiterates to him, listen carefully to all my words that I speak to you and take them to heart. That's verse 10. After talking about Israel being the stubborn people, the rebellious people, which goes along with their name, right? That, that Israel means striving with God, struggling with God. Uh, here, he's God is saying to Ezekiel, you need to do the exact opposite of this people in order to be fruitful, in order to do what it is that you are called to do, which is kind of a no-brainer, right? Like the, the pastor, your preacher, should be uh, different than those that he preaches to. And yet the reality is, is that oftentimes we find ourselves in need of having our ears opened. We find ourselves in need of having uh, God's word uh, be taken into our hearts. That it is that when we preach, we need to be able to first have that sermon preached to us before we preach it to anyone else, because we need the benefits of what is coming from that sermon. And so he says, go to your people, the exiles, and speak to them. Tell them this is what the Lord God says, whether they listen or refuse to listen. First, now go. Okay, I've given you everything. I've prepared you. I've handed over what it is that you're supposed to say. Now go. At some point, you have to uh, go, right? (laughs) You have to just go. You have to do it whether you want to or not. It's at some point you just have to rip off the bandaid. Now it's time to go, he says. But I love here, he says, now go to your people. Notice he's not saying my people. God God is is handing them over to to him. One of the commentators said that it's similar language to what is spoken of in Exodus 32 with the golden calf where God, after the, after the, the Israelites make the golden calf and he's speaking to Moses, he doesn't call the Israelites, my people. He says, your people, as though there is this, this disconnect now with God of, of wanting to be able to make sure that, that he understands he's not happy. He's not happy at all. It's not that he's disowned them, but he's not happy. So go to your people. What it ends up happening too there with that that your, I, I, I get the sense that it's also handing those people over to Ezekiel. That, that now they are his worry. They are his job. They are what he needs to worry about and do. And he sends them to the exiles. He doesn't send them back to Israel. He doesn't send them to the Babylonians. He send them, sends them specifically to the broken and bruised people who feel abandoned by God, sitting by the Kiber Canal in Tel Aviv. And he says, speak to them, preach to them, tell them something. What are you supposed to tell them? This is what the Lord God says, or is thus saith the Lord. You speak my words, Ezekiel, not your words. You don't get creative. You don't try and be all catchy and flashy and cool with smoke machines and theatrical lighting and all this stuff. You just speak. 
speak what it is that I've spoken to you, whether they want to listen or not. Speak the word in season and out of season is what Paul writes to Timothy. Whether it feels like the right time or not, you speak. You don't wait for it to be the right time because sometimes it's never going to feel like the right time and sometimes you're going to miss the right time. You speak. You have a sermon to give. You have gospel to offer. It, it makes me think also, too, of John chapter 6. I'm actually going to turn over there really quick. John chapter 6. If we go to John chapter 6, and uh, verse beginning at verse 53... Verse 53. So Jesus is giving this explanation, which is actually a, it's, it's a beautiful explanation of the Eucharist, of communion. He, he's making a big deal with these people because they got fed the loaves and fishes, feeding the 5,000, and they basically like Jesus because he's a vending machine, because he's given them food, right? And so he speaks to them and about him being the bread of life that's come down from heaven and all these things. And they really don't understand. And then he doubles down. He goes nuclear option on it. Truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I'll raise him up on the last day because my flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live become because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the manna your ancestors ate and they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. This becomes a, a issue, right, for the people. And it's actually an issue within the church today. Uh, within the Lutheran context, we hold to the real presence of Christ in the Lord's Supper, that when we say, this is my body, uh, speaking of Christ uh, and, and the bread or the wafer, we actually believe that Christ is truly present there, that, that it is his body, because that is what he said. We take him at his word. We trust what he says. It's not some sort of spiritual communion. He actually is giving himself his flesh and blood to us. And there are other Protestant denominations who deny that. And then you have the Catholic understanding, which quite literally says that bread is no longer bread anymore. We don't hold to that. But this understanding that when, when Christ says, this is my body, this is my blood, he's actually telling the truth. And, and so there's, there's disagreements within the church about that. Well, here there was a disagreement too. And it says in verse 60, Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, This teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were complaining about, the, complaining about this, asked them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some among you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe in the one who would betray him. He said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. And then verse 66. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. So Jesus said to the twelve, You don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. What happens here? You have some people who, who hear the words and they refuse to listen. They refuse to take that in. 
they, they turn away. They, it becomes an offensive thing for, for, for them. And so they leave Christ behind. Can you imagine that? Leaving Christ behind. And what does Jesus do? Does he run after them? Oh no, I was just kidding. Oh wait, sit down. Let me explain it to you a little bit more. I didn't really mean this. No. He lays it out there and says, this is what it is. This is the truth of who I am, of what it is that I am am bringing, right? And he allows them to leave. It becomes the same for Ezekiel here. He's told to preach whether they want to listen or not. You do it. You preach, right? And it's the same calling for us. We're going to have some times where some people are just not going to believe. They're not going to take so readily to church services because part of what happens in church is that the gospel of Jesus Christ comes and we're put to death and we're raised to new life in him. And our old Adam, the old sinner, us, doesn't want to have that happen. And so many of us are going to turn our backs on the Christ because we're worried that we might actually be born again. And that is truly a fearful thing for us. And yet, it is what Christ comes to do. And it is here that Ezekiel is called on to do the same thing. You speak, thus saith the Lord, whether people want to listen or not. And we have to be prepared for the fact that there are going to be people who are not going to listen, that are not going to take it to heart, that it's not going to be something that, that they are gifted with yet. But that doesn't mean that we just stop speaking to them of, of these things, of the work that God is doing. So then after this, it says, the spirit then lifted me up or the breath or the wind then lifted me up, then picked me up. And I heard a loud rumbling sound behind me. Bless the glory of the Lord in his place with the sound of the living creatures, wings brushing against each other and the sound of the wheels beside them, a loud rumbling sound. What's happening here? Um, the, the sense that you can get is that this is the beginning of the glory of the Lord leaving his temple. This is the beginning of this chariot of God uh, departing, the glory of the Lord departing from the temple, which is going to be a theme that we'll see here in Ezekiel, that we'll see it. Ezekiel sees it in a vision of of the Lord leaving his temple, uh, of the Lord departing, uh, because we hear the wings starting to rustle. The whoosh, 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 and we hear the rumbling of the wheels, almost like like uh, the the tracks uh, of a tank getting ready to go. The revving of the engine, uh, you know, they're 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 all set. And then, in the midst of all that sound, what do you hear? Bless the glory of the Lord in His place. Some commentators say that this is this is that rumbling sound. Bless the glory of the Lord in his place. Meaning, it's not the place that we create for God. It's not the place that we want God to be. It is the place that God chooses for himself. And right now, the picture that we are getting of God is the fact that God's glory is going to leave this particular place that has become an idol. But this glory is going to be present elsewhere. God being the one who is going to be wherever he's going to be, and he is going to be glorified in that. That it is that he's not tied to just one particular place. We're going to keep talking about the same thing over and over and over again. 
In verse 14, the Spirit lifted me up again and took me away. I left in bitterness and in an angry spirit, and the Lord's hand was on me powerfully. That bitterness word is uh, closer to distress. But why is he bitter? I, I think there's a couple of different reasons. Uh, he is leaving behind this, this vision, and maybe it's a place that he just wants to stay. He's wanting to stay on that mountaintop is how we talk about it sometimes, where you go to, you go to church camp, you go to a youth retreat, you go to some concert or some sort of revival thing, and you're just on fire for Jesus and you want to stay there. But you have to come back down the mountain. And maybe he's a little bitter, a little distressed, a little frustrated in that. It says his, his spirit is, is angry or in the heat of my spirit. The spirit is warmed within him. And it is the sense of anger and frustration. I think also, too, it's, it's bitterness or distress and anger because now he has to go and speak these words of woe. Now he has to go and, and preach to the stubborn people. And as a priest, he finds that frustrating because he wants to go seriously we've got this god why are you pushing against him and it says the lord's hand was on me powerfully that the sense that that i get from that is not only god directing him the direction of god in our lives in his life but also the fact that in his anger in his bitterness it might cause him to not do what he's supposed to do. He may see, say things that are not God's words. And so God picks him up and holds him close and his hand is powerfully on him to, to direct him in the direction that he, he needs to go so that he can make sure to fulfill that which he is called to do. And then it says he came to the exiles at Tel Abib who were living by the Heber Canal, and I sat there among them stunned for seven days, or appalled, um, breathless, exhausted even. even. And then the seven days, that there's, there's a sense in the seven days that it's, it's moving towards uh, a, a completion of what it is that he's, he's getting ready to do. Maybe it's a, it's a sense of Sabbath because the seventh day is the Sabbath day. And so it's a sense of rest poetically. This, this sense of rest because he is exhausted, but also uh, one Jewish commentator says that he's waiting there because he's waiting for another word from God, hoping that maybe something else will come. <laughs> We're hoping that, that it will be bolstered again in him of what it is that he is supposed to do. The sense we have here, church, is this calling for us to persevere, to be prepared to say some things that we don't think we should say because what is needed is truth. What is not needed is coddling. And that doesn't mean that we're a jerk, right? There's a fine line between being a truth teller and being a jerk. And oftentimes what comes across as someone being a jerk is a truth that we're needing to hear. And other times, when truth comes to us, it can feel like someone is being mean, but it is what we need to have happen to us. It's like going into the doctor for your physical and all the blood work comes back and you find out that your cholesterol is too high. You need to lose weight, all these things. And he has to sit, he or she has to sit you down and say, Hey, uh, you need to eat more fruits and vegetables. You need to stop drinking alcohol, uh, stop smoking, and you need to get to the gym. And you need to do it now or you're going to die. And we can find that as mean, 
But at the same time, it's a life or death thing, right? And that's the calling of God for us, that, that the, the, the working of, of Christ's life in us is to bring us life, bringing life to the dead, to know that we as, as sinners uh, are dead in our trespasses and sins. We, we want to hold on to everything else. We will do everything we can to turn ourselves away from God. And, and Christ's work is to bring us back to him. And part of that working is, is to create in us life, to grant us a spirit that causes us uh, to uh, be humbled by our own sin, but then also opens our eyes to be able to be willing to speak truth to one another, not as, as ourselves being too good for them, <laughs> but in realizing that they are just as broken as we are and needing to be sent to them to lift them up, just like the Spirit lifts up Ezekiel, to be one who who lifts them up out of the dust, out of the pain, out of the heartache, to give life. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things to your beloved Son, whom you anointed priest forever and King of all creation, Grant that all the people of the earth, now divided by the power of sin, may be united under the glorious and gentle rule of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, church, please share this with others, uh, just like we always ask. Uh, Subscribe, like, comment. Whatever, whatever you you feel uh, is necessary to, to help us to continue to serve you, but also to get the word out to others that they might grow in faith and love and find rest for their souls in Jesus Christ. I'll go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.